Hi, we have Gitanjali uh, from Naked Communications with us. Gitanjali is a founding partner for Naked Communication and uh, has uh, a lot of experience in the advertising background, having worked with some of the biggest brands. Uh, she's right now based out of Bombay. Uh, and uh, the idea of having her around uh, with us is primarily to understand uh, the model on which the advertising agencies work and see what her thought process is when it comes to crowdsourcing for bigger brands because largely we've seen crowdsourcing being used by SMEs and not many big brands so the, the idea is to figure out what she feels when it comes to crowdsourcing for big brands and how agencies can probably collaborate with uh, some of these crowdsourcing platforms. Uh, hi Gitanjali. Hi, nice to meet you. Same here. So Gitanjali, interesting name, this Naked Communications. Uh, why, why was this name uh, kept first of all? What was the thought process behind that? Um, well, Naked is now 11 years old and uh, it was started uh, by three men uh, on a boat in the UK, literally. Wonderful. Um, so it started by John Wilkins, John Harlow and Will Collin mm -hmm. uh, in 2000 at the height of uh, recession. And um, they really couldn't afford any real estate, so they found a boat. <laughs> uh, and the idea was, I mean, it came from a, a, a media background. So they have been in, in sort of a, a much more rigorous media uh, environment and they have been going through that same sort of trauma that perhaps some of us are going through right now in India, which is after a while it just becomes about the numbers. You yeah. lose a sense of instinct, intuition, uh, experience uh, that you can bring to the table, which allows you to do exceptional thinking. Um, and, uh, you know, you start getting kind of uh, so dependent on numbers, providing you with the thing. Uh, they become your decision makers, your decision making um, assistants. Yeah. Uh, so the idea for the formation of Naked uh, was to get together three like-minded people who wanted to change the way uh, brands engaged with consumers uh, mm -hmm. beyond the traditional media ways and start the thinking far more upstream by first stripping the brand down to its absolutely most naked form, uh, you know, like like a newborn baby uh, from the, you know when it comes out, it's, it's absolutely naked, mm -hmm. and that is its most pure state. Mm -hmm. So if we can do that with a brand, uh, and just kind of strip down all the layers, see the brand for what it is, and then from there, from a very authentic point of view, from a very authentic starting point, build the brand mm -hmm. to actually then creating engagement, and that engagement itself becomes authentic. And real. Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, you know, in terms of the concept, uh, that 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 uh, you know, that uh, how the name was born. Of course, none of the three boys considered that at some point a woman would have to go around with a card that says naked. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's been it's been uh, the the other good thing about it, is, and, and I have to attribute this to the three boys, is the fact that it's a very memorable name. Yeah. Uh, so even though you don't, you know. People who are not in the space uh, of sort of integrated comms planning, including some of the very senior clients we know, um, the moment you introduce yourself, they'll remember you. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know that's very much part of marketing. Uh, you know, the fact that you need to have a brand or a name uh, that rings a bell. Uh, and I, I think one of my favorite stories is about the fact that I, I uh, had come in. Uh, one of our clients is the uh, Royal Western Indian Turf Club. 
it's a very interesting client to have, and I can talk to you a little later about that. But uh, they were having a, 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 a concert with uh, Kailash Kim, um, mm-hmm. and who I had never met or didn't really know much about. So I introduced myself. I said, "Hi, I'm Kailashni, and I work at Naked." Uh, and where he looks at me and he says, uh, "You're a brand consultant." I said, "Yes." He says, "What a perfect name." I said, "How would you know?" He says, "Yeah, yeah, it's about putting the brand down to its bare basics." And I was like, "Okay." Yeah, look up from a very musical and artistic background gets it that perhaps we're on the right track. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, I think the name is, is very helpful, but uh, the story on it is very real for the product we provide. Wonderful. Very interesting. So, uh, what kind of uh, audience do you work with? Uh, is it specifically in uh, some geographies or some kind of specific clients, or you kind of spread across your services for various kind of guys? Sorry, I'm not catching you. You're breaking up. So, can you just repeat the? Yeah. What I what I asked was, what kind of audience do you work with? What is the kind of clients that you work with? Is it specific to some geography, or is it uh, uh, specific to some industry, or the more uh, spread across? No, we're. Or anybody who is willing to get uh, stripped down. <laughs> uh, the idea of uh, of naked is is pretty universal. So we have a number of different kinds of clients. So we have our very large global clients such mm-hmm. as Coca Cola, mm-hmm. who we have just uh, worked on uh, uh, Coke Studio. So Coke Studio has been our labor of love, if I can put it down as that. Um, where we've had to join a lot of dots. Um, you know the the concept is a Coca Cola about bringing two uh, musical genres together mm-hmm. to new sound. So a concept that was born in Brazil in 2007, then to Pakistan in 2008, 2011. It's been brought to India, um, and we were the the, the sort of uh, partners on behalf of Coca Cola. Ensuring that all the dots were joined at all times, because we had so many people that we were working with. There was Lodestar that was doing the media planning. There was uh, MTV, which was the broadcaster. There was uh, Rentually, which was the production house. Mm-hmm. So to to ensure that uh, at all times the integrity of the idea is maintained, uh, and that we are still committed to a single goal. Regardless of whether we are in a digital space or we are in an activation space or whether we are product um, that was our task to create sort of a brand communication architecture mm-hmm. um, you know blueprint that we could all follow uh, and that we all contributed to so there was there was no sort of we are the only holders of the truth or something like that it was very much uh, the stakeholder group was a, a mixture of all these people and we all bought it to the final plan uh, and then Naked kind of drives that, uh, just as a you know as a, as a person that, that kind of holds it together. Um, so that was that was you know obviously one of our global clients that we do it and we're doing it at a much higher sort of level. Okay. Then the RWITC was is a very local client and they came to us with a very different brief. They they wanted a brief about how to increase footfalls into uh, the turf club and we actually turned around and sort of again stripped the brand down and, and yeah. turned around and said no actually. What the RWITC stands for is the spirit of Mumbai. Mm-hmm. It's not about amazing. Um, it's just that when you've made it big and you have realized your Mumbai dream, then you come to the races, and it's kind of a, a celebration of the spirit of Mumbai. The fact that 
you know, the, the, the smallest man can be in there mm-hmm. uh, and, and aspire to be something bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when he has arrived, he has, you know, he, he has his box at, at the, at the RWITC. Uh, but taking that slightly to a different level, we said if we are about the spirit of Mumbai, actually what the Turf Club is, is a recognition of the fact that there is a sustainability platform for Mumbai. Yeah. Uh, the race course itself is the largest living green lung of the city. Um, and the, the threat to it being torn down is very, very imminent. Um, because obviously it's, it's high, you know, the, the price of real estate there is huge. So the, the price of that land is just, you know, yeah. God knows what it might cost. Um, so everybody's got their eye on it. So we decided instead that we will create a community mm-hmm. uh, called Tribe and Turf, mm-hmm. which will stand for sustainability. This tribe exists primarily in digital space. Okay. We have a whole lot of things that we planned last year as a trial and now we are kind of going into doing it at a much larger scale this year mm-hmm. where we have the farmers market which is now going to be held at the turf club because done we did about six of them last year. We have uh, a bunch of people like open space involved in it to uh, hold some of their events there. We have TEDx happening on the, the premises. We have Maharashtrian um, uh, Culture festival being held on the premises. Uh, we have several singers who want to come and do things, uh, you know, uh, for the public and as a community yeah. performances uh, at the space. So there's a whole program that's being built around the idea of sustainability and spirit of Mumbai. Uh, very, uh, very exciting and uh, very unlike what people would expect an RWITC to be doing. Um, so I think that is uh, that has been quite, uh, quite uh, amazing for us. And then uh, we also get ourselves involved uh, in uh, in sort of celebrity as an indiv- you know as a, as a brand. So um, we're working with Leslie Prupovis, mm-hmm. who uh, came to us through Coke Studio, who in himself is a brand. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're working with him directly to create him as a brand, uh, and sort of you know presenting to him our understanding of what is his positioning uh, and how he would like to see himself uh, on a larger scale, and then creating a whole program around that to ensure that his authentic self is what is going to be the brand. But how do we build that as opposed to telling people? How do we actually create it through interaction, engagement, etc.? So we do it at many, many different levels. We've got a whole bunch of other clients uh, and I can go on and on. Uh, but I think to, to just show you the depth and width at which we work, yeah. um, can come from anywhere. Uh, there's no the, uh, there's no end to having good consumer engagement uh, between the brand and, and its believers, and I think that's where we are aiming to. Wonderful, very nice. So uh, I mean, uh, the reason why I asked that was just to try to also understand: is it only the big brands which are kind of uh, working with Naked, or are you also targeting some of the smaller brands? Which I mean, uh, some of the examples that you gave kind of refer to that. But do you also kind of uh, uh, work o- along with uh, collaborative uh, platforms on newer ideas, things like crowdsourcing? Do you also use mm-hmm. that as a model for some of your brands? Yes. No, absolutely. I think, uh, in, in fact, in all the three projects I've spoken to you about, hmm. they're all crowdsourcing projects uh, integrated into the larger plan. Very nice. So, uh, on, uh, on something like Coke Studio, there was a lot of uh, uh, crowdsourcing mm-hmm. in terms of uh, people providing us with their inputs on what they thought of a video, uh, giving us comments and winning 
uh, uh, tickets to yeah. come to the live gigs. Uh -huh. uh, so we ran a lot of contests uh, to get inputs from the, the, the crowd. We have about 650,000 followers on Facebook right now, uh, the Coke Studio 10 TV. Uh, so we use them as a base mm -hmm. uh, to sort of feed ideas, ask them about things, give their opinion. Uh, so that's much more in that sort of space. We haven't gotten into the creation part of it. Yeah with that for people, but that is step two as we uh, look into uh, Coke Studio the next season. Um, with the RWITC, it's a purely community-based platform, so Tribe at Turf is entirely based on what the community wants. We currently have about, uh, I believe, 30,000 now, I think our numbers are up to, in terms of our Facebook uh, followers, and we are constantly asking them what would they like to see at the the, the tribe at uh, what they want to participate in, uh, would they prefer such and such event over such and such event, um, is there anything they believe needs to be uh, supported. Um, so right now, for instance, from inputs that we've gotten from them, we've got a, an initiative about supporting the Tonga horses mm -hmm. uh, and providing them with, uh, you know, doing a charity drive at the race course to, uh, to uh, raise money for Tonka horses who are very poorly treated in the city. So there's, uh, so we actually do take this. Uh, we have photography contests um, to ask people to capture various events uh, and uh, you know they're incentivized with prizes, uh, they're incentivized with uh, uh, a box seat at the derby. Uh, so there's, there's a whole lot of uh, that going on. Uh, but I think uh, you know there are many options to crowdsourcing and I think uh, my favorite option for crowdsourcing, especially if we are looking at very large brands, mm -hmm. is actually first uh, crowdsourcing amongst employees. Uh, what happens is when you're, when you're looking at crowdsourcing, now for instance, it's easy enough to do it, say I, you know, I'm a Lays and I want to yeah. rename one of my new flavors and I ask people to set cool sounding flavors, etc., etc. So that's one sort of crowdsourcing. Yeah. Truly, where we're going with crowdsourcing is actually taking brand decisions, yeah. right? I mean, this is this is where you want to take to uh, take crowdsourcing. Now, the people who understand and know the brand the best are actually employees of the brand. Absolutely. So you would look at a, a, a say a Tata's, which has what 50, 60 thousand employees. Yeah. Um, uh, you would look at a Mahindra Group, uh, twenty-five thousand employees, an Axis Bank, twenty-five thousand employees. They are your loyalists. They are your brand guardians. Each one of them, right up to the guy who's taking the call in a call center, yeah. is, a, a, is, a, is a holder of your brand guardianship. And yet rarely do companies look at these guys and say, tell us what you think. Um, and so there's one part of it, which is the fun and games, which is the excitement, which is, okay, we're doing a Coke Studio too, so send us your, mm. um, you know, send us your uh, 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 video clip of you singing and maybe we'll ask you to come in and sort of do a gig. All that can happen, that's, that's the exciting part. So isn't, isn't, isn't it, part isn't it that thing. most of the people right now, most of the brands are kind of using crowdsourcing only at that level, wherein they're engaging okay. with their employees or even outside consumers, but they're not driving the decisions through uh, through what is coming through the crowd, essentially. Exactly, exactly. And you know, to be perfectly honest, I've been doing crowdsourcing now for uh, I would say eight to ten years. Ever no. since, I would say I think the first crowdsourcing project I must have done would have been in 1999. 
okay. when I was in uh, China.com mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in uh, Hong Kong. And uh, so crowdsourcing is not something new. It's yeah. just that today we have far better interactive platforms to yeah. be able to share it uh, through uh, in, and in a much more immediate manner. Um, in the older days, it just took a little longer because everything came through email. But today you have a Twitter, which just shortens the, the time timeline. Yeah. But uh, there's a great example of uh, uh, M&M's. And uh, about 20 years ago, M&M's did a crowdsourcing project mm-hmm. where they put out a, a call for entry saying, what would you like as your next M&M color? Okay. Uh, and there were millions and millions of people who wrote back, sent swatches of cloth and uh, you know, gave Pantone shape numbers and there was major activity around it. They literally got a few million entries uh, within a six month period. But they had already predetermined that it would be blue. Uh, it was just the creation of the excitement around the fact that I could be a participant in brand, brand decision mm-hmm. was the excitement of it. The idea of putting blue out was predetermined. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times crowdsourcing projects might work that way. You don't really, you can't really tell the authenticity of it sometimes um, because there's no reporting of, of the, the actual findings. You know, there's, there's no place. I mean, sometimes you can watch a, a poll, but on a crowdsourcing project of a certain size, it, it can be very well engineered and mastered and, mm. and manipulated. Uh, what you want to do is do really authentic crowdsourcing projects as, as we move forward. And I really believe that uh, crowdsourcing projects as internal communications projects uh, would be a great way to use the tools in, in true brand decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, there's another sort of, you know, there's another whole conversation around that. But I think that's where companies are, are perhaps the larger companies, mm-hmm. are not utilizing their loyalist base uh, to, to actually use crowdsourcing in a very real, authentic, and, and truly transformational manner. So that is my opinion in terms of crowdsourcing at that level. But is it only to, uh, I mean, do you feel that uh, for bigger brands it can only be used to an extent of brand decision? but not uh, from the perspective of making executables out of uh, platforms which provide crowdsourcing as services. We've seen uh, Pepsi, Unilever and others going out on various crowdsourcing platforms or building up their own to not just come up with ideas, but also kind of come up with campaigns. Now, uh, so what I wanted to understand from you is one, uh, do you feel that's a good way, especially for a bigger brand where there's a lot of brand guidelines and a lot of other things which are involved unlike an SME? And two, uh, and two, uh, does it really? Uh, I mean, how does how does the advertising agencies react to it? Are they are they using that as a model, as a complementary model, along with the services that they're providing, or they're still feeling, are they keeping their uh, hands closed, saying that uh, that's not something which works wonderfully well for bigger brands? Maybe it can work for a startup uh, who does not have uh, a wider guideline to follow. Yeah. I think uh, there are a couple of questions uh, in there. One yeah. is um, actual creation of platforms for providing uh, an actual structure around crowdsourcing. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, I think that's one part of it. Um, 
usually crowdsourcing is done in a very haphazard way and using very rudimentary tools. Uh, so, you know, you would use tools that are already existence or uh, perhaps something that you buy off the shelf. Yeah. Uh, what we've done uh, at Naked, for instance, uh, we have a tool called Ripple. Now, what you what must understand about crowdsourcing is if you're looking for something futuristic mm-hmm. uh, and you're looking for something that is going to help you sort of plan you know, 6, 8, 10, 12 months uh, ahead of the, the curve, mm-hmm. uh, which is what a lot of youth brands are obviously trying mm-hmm. to do, uh, what you need is not the general masses. You don't need quality, uh, quantity. You don't need hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. What you need is quality. Yeah. And you need a group of people who are going to be able, who are in a much better informed state. So this is a much more sophisticated level of crowdsourcing, where some people are more equal than others, uh, if I could put it in that way. Yeah. Um, so the first sort of round within what we do at Ripple, as a, as a you know, which is a, a, a tool that we have for crowdsourcing, mm-hmm. is actually. Um, Sort of uh, safe uh, from around, you know, a large database of people who are going to be our real informants, who are going to be our true, uh, uh, you know, uh, people who are influencers rather than followers. Yeah. And going to an influencer group gives you a much higher chance of success uh, because then you don't need to do it one person at a time. Uh, you can do it literally. Uh, groups of people at a time um, and then what Ripple does is we actually use uh, an econometric tool um, which allows us to actually authenticate whether a person is an influencer or just a follower because oftentimes a guy can say yeah I have 500 friends on Facebook and um, you know I'm this hot sexy guy who you know parties every night and blah 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 you can say I'm looking for uh, a particular kind of a profile mm-hmm. uh, but uh, when we send out the, the psychometric test, um, it's, it's a way of finding out whether this person is authentic in the way they have actually presented themselves. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that helps us actually create a bunch of ambassadors who will continue to be a source of inspiration to the brand. And then they will influence the larger circle of people who will then also buy into the brand because they're, you know, the guys they're looking up to are our brand ambassadors. So um, when you're talking about crowdsourcing also the authenticity of the information and the robustness of the information you're picking up, I think that's where we need to now start going. It shouldn't just be about um, you know, 500 people like this name so we choose this name or you know, 8,000 people you know, chose this t-shirt so we will print this t-shirt. I think that's a that's at a very rudimentary stage, and you end up becoming a me too. Mm. What is now getting to the next stage is okay. You know, this group of influencers has said that we should be endorsing uh, snowboarding versus jumping off a bungee thing uh, as you know a, an activity that they think is an exciting activity to show. So the next um, uh, say uh, you know. Uh, 7-Up ad might choose uh, to not show uh, what they would be doing otherwise, which is bungee jumping and show snowboarding because maybe that's more aspirational for this group of people. So I think, you know, taking those kinds of brand decisions is 
where we work with the Ripple tool. We do work with it on a couple of clients uh, and it, uh, it works really well. But then we've got another tool which, which actually does much more of the employee uh, crowdsourcing. Okay. So in that case, you're, you're going into more of R&D stuff, which is even more upstream. Uh, and we have Naked NP, new product, mm -hmm. uh, which we've used uh, globally, which, uh, which actually accesses that group of people uh, to come up with ideas. So there's, a, there's lots of stuff happening at crowdsourcing and people uh, should really start looking at it uh, sort of out of the box. Because mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot to be done. Uh, and I think uh, the more innovative you are about using that information and the more authentic you are about reporting how it is working for the brand, uh, I think that's where the joy lies for people to want to engage with your brand. Wonderful. So, so this is good. Uh, I mean, uh, it's not just about having the numbers in there and people participating in there. It's more about uh, uh, the kind of people who are participating, the kind of people who are interacting with their profiles. So it's more like a yeah. curated uh, crowd driven through analysis, uh, driven to certain parameters which can actually uh, uh, influence a decision, especially when it comes to bigger brands. So yes. it's wonderful. Thanks Kitanjali, it was very nice speaking to you. Thanks for all your thoughts. Uh, Great and good luck with everything you're doing. I think it's fantastic. Thank you Kitanjali. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Bye.